following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. It is Minute 82 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how are you tonight? Well, I want to give you a warning, Brad. I have very nefarious plans. I'm going to breed extensively here in New York, and then I'm going to send my progeny out to populate Pennsylvania. So basically, you're one of those quiverful jerks? You're yes. like the Duggar family? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm learning something new about you every episode. But, anyway. But, but somebody who is not part of your quiver... Ah, uh, this, this, this is just getting weird. All right. Who do we have with us today? <laughs> uh, returning to the Flash Gordon Minute Studios, comedian and writer Joseph Scrimshaw. I am very happy to be here. Uh, I plan to uh, read with her and then send my progeny to Earth, which is what I thought the line was when I first watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read with her. You're going to bring it to the library. Send... Like, wow, reading is very, very different in your world, Ming. <laughs> she comes back down to Earth and is like, hey, anybody read the most recent Dan Brown? It's not very good. <laughs> That's how Ming's going to break our spirits by, you know, presenting us with crappy summer reads. <sighs> <laughs> Bad literature. Ming's evil plan. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph, uh, we had a great time with you yesterday. Uh, really excited that you're joining us. So uh, you are also part of the uh, world of podcasting. Where, um, t- tell us a little bit about your podcast work. Yeah, so I got two podcasts that I do. Uh, by myself, I do a podcast called Obsessed, and that's just an interview with a cool person about something they're super, super into. Uh, I'll find somebody obsessed with Flash Gordon eventually and do an episode on that. That'd be great. And then uh, along with Ken Napsock and Jennifer Landa, I co-host the Force Center podcast feed, and that is a collection of shows, all sorts of different shows about Star Wars. So how did you feel about Solo? I felt great about Solo. I love Solo. Uh, and I have no idea. You can never know when people ask if uh, if it's going to be controversial or a high five. But I really, really love Solo. I think um, I think it's too bad that the marketing had some uh, fumbles or they maybe shouldn't have released it uh, so early. But I think the film itself is great. Nice, nice. Uh, Eric, have you seen Solo? Oh, of course. I'm a, I'm, nothing's bigger than Star Wars for me. Nice. But you want me to say what I thought of it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't know why the movie had to be made before I saw it, and I still don't know why the movie had to be made after I saw it. Yeah, uh, I, I understand people come to that perspective. Um, to me, what was rich about it is that it was returning a little bit more to the uh, really pulp and serial adventure uh, beginnings of Star Wars, speaking of Flash Gordon. So it, that it really had that pace of just adventure after adventure, big weird things, vortexes and strange monsters with tentacles. But then all of it was underpinned by this um, deep argument about uh, systemic poverty under a horrible uh, dictatorship. Because the whole plot is moved by getting access to this uh, coaxium, which could have just been an easy MacGuffin. But instead it was this great commentary on nobody can change their position in life. 
without actual access to the things that uh, make the world go to like the actual means of production, which I thought it was amazing for me to go like, here's a, a light summer movie that's got some fun, it's got some action, and it's got some great political commentary. And then to me, that was like, okay, well, that's, that's Star Wars. So that's why I enjoyed it. But I understand that everybody has a, a different take on it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I there, I certainly I didn't hate it. You know, there were certainly parts of the movie that I enjoyed. Uh, I think that uh, you make a very good point about that. But I think my problem as a as a huge OG Star Wars freak, my problem was that there were just too many. There too much of the movie was checking off boxes of you know. Yeah. Here's how Han got his blaster, and here's how Lando you know learned how to do this, and here's how this happened to explain that line of dialogue from the empire strikes back, you know, and it was just, it was too much of that for me. Yeah. I, I, I do totally understand that criticism. We've had a couple of fans of the four center podcast kind of describe that as prequelitis of being yeah, kind of sick of yeah. anything that explains anything. And star Wars is always great about uh, having a, an element of mystery that whatever it tells you, it also leaves you something to wonder. And it's uh, it's, it's dangerous when they start telling you too much. I totally get that. Yeah, like I would, I would have been fine with Han Solo's origin remaining a mystery. It was, you know, the only, the only part that I really genuinely enjoyed seeing was the Han meets Chewie scene. That I, I yeah. liked. Everything else that was sort of like, eh, it was just a little heavy-handed. But now you've learned that Han and Chewie shower together. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, very cool. Yeah, um, it's, you know, we recommend everyone check out your podcast. But let's get to minute eighty-two, Eric. What happens? Well, uh, we we actually we neglected to mention the last line of dialogue from the last minute is Flash saying, uh, "What about Dale?" Uh, after Ming is uh, making this offer, saying, "You know, uh, join me, or I, the, the planet explodes." And then, so we got we got two two avenues of, of conversation to have about this. First of all, we've got the "What about Dale?" You know, Earth's about to explode. Flash, who the hell cares about Dale? <laughs> that, that's my first thought. But then Ming. Answer is we have decided to marry her, and so either Ming is referring to himself in the first person plural, which, if true, is one of the most awesome things anyone's ever done in the history of moviedom, or he actually had a conversation with his advisors on what to do, and therefore we actually did decide to marry her. I'm going to go with option number one. I, I don't think I don't think Ming would ever give, even if he did talk to his advisors. I don't think he'd give them credit. Yeah, we agree, and I mean that talking about myself as we. I think uh, <laughs> Ming is just using the royal we. Amazing how damn cool! And thank you for calling back to the previous minute. I can't. I actually had a note about everything came down to Dale, and you almost get the impression where Flash is in considering the offer for a second. And really, he just wants to get back to what's going on with Dale. And uh, it, it, that leads into this. Uh, one thing that I thought was a little funny is Ming saying, you know, Dale, you know, Dale she is exceptional. It's like, eh, really? Because there are a lot of just stunningly beautiful women and uh, on this planet. And what do you think Ming finds so exceptional about Dale? I think that it's it. I, I think the key is that I don't think it has anything to do with her physical attributes. I think it's that she escaped. She, you know, we talked about this last minute that you know Ming is uh, part of his rule is based on just he's confident no one will challenge him. 
he's got he is surrounded by these beautiful men, but no one would ever think to say no. No one would ever think to try to get away from him. Here comes this woman from another planet, and she's breaking out. She's killing guards as she's getting away. She's defiant, and he's like, "Wow, this is this is impressive." You know, she's. I I would have loved if they would have shown somehow shown Ming seeing some sort of video or whatever of her fighting the guards because I, I could see that being especially cool for Ming. Not only, like you say, Eric, you know, she, she, she's immune to his charms and, and not impressed with his power, but then she's also a butt kicker, and it would have been really neat to see Ming react to that. But, yeah, you're right because uh, Dale, obviously a very attractive woman, Melody Anderson, a very beautiful woman, but she's a beautiful woman in a movie where every female in it is stunningly gorgeous so it, it is just uh, intriguing to go down, sort of down the rabbit hole of what does make her so exceptional and what makes her so different and you're you're right it's that it, it's she, she has a certain level of spunk yeah i mean she's she's uh clearly intelligent much more intelligent than the guards that she shoots and she tricks by going around things a couple times uh, there's a bag of dog hair somewhere more intelligent than those guards uh and she she could kill that bag of dog hair too um <laughs> But yeah, I think it's also like this is part of what makes Ming a villain. Ming's not like just a, you know a nice guy on Tinder looking for a good match. He wants to control people, and I think the fact that she defies him probably makes him want to control her even more. Yes, yes, yes. And by the way, everyone, if you do see Ming on Tinder, just swipe left. <laughs> He's smiling with his eyes. How can you not yeah, swipe right? Like... Smile with your eyes. Swipe right. There's got to be some guy on Tinder wearing that black helmet, right? There's got to be <laughs> one guy out there doing that, right? I would hope so. <laughs> if not, then uh, if, if we have a listener out there who is a developer, we do want to make uh, an official Flash Gordon Minute, uh, like just Flash Gordon-centric Tinder uh, program. Uh, <laughs> although He'll I date every feeling. one of us, that's right. <laughs> Although I have a feeling the ratio of male to female would not be fantastic. <laughs> you never know. You never know. The last time I saw Flash Gordon, it was because a, 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 a woman friend of mine wanted to see it. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what. The music is fantastic and the costumes and the... Yeah, I, I okay. It's, it's not the craziest thing I ever heard. I know science fiction tends to skew a little bit male, but um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, I mean, that just it, working in the the world of uh, pop culture, spending all my time in it, you know, it, and I, you know, I'm, I grew up when the idea was, yep, it is all dudes. And I meet so many people who are my same age who are just like, yeah, I liked it, but everybody told me I shouldn't talk about it. So I meet a lot of people that like I knew a long time ago that, that didn't, uh, didn't feel okay to express it. And now like all the younger people I know, like equally, equally into it. But, uh, It'd still be fascinating to see uh, the whole Tinder dynamic of Flash Gordon, <laughs> specific Tinder. But yeah. Um, you know, one of the lines that I thought was really weird and fun was this early one that you're talking about when he's going to send progeny to populate Earth. And that also seemed like a weird time thing of like, does Ming have 800 children at a time or something? How many progeny will populate the Earth? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because... First of all, he's just the first person plural again. He says, we will breed with her. So he's, 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 he's using that again. Yeah. And so is it just like, does he not understand human biology? Does he think Ming <laughs> can carry 
a hundred babies at a time? I mean, how is right? How will he populate the earth with his progeny by breeding specifically only with this one person? Yeah. Who he doesn't like even know he can breed with, by the way. <laughs> He's never been with a human before. I like the idea that he just doesn't understand human like sexual biology at all, and like <laughs> that he needs like a PowerPoint presentation of like, actually, Ming, that's not going to work because. <laughs> One, sometimes two, every now and then three kids at a time. <laughs> nine months in, in nine months gestation, and you really should wait several months before <laughs> trying again. It's a long time to populate the Earth, man. <laughs> you know, God bless you for wanting to try, but no, that's not how it works. Uh, it'd be just great if him at the gynecologist's office with Dale, poor, poor things in the stirrups, getting checked out, making sure everything's working out. Him in full regalia. <laughs> you know, it makes me think, remember the movie Species from, like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago? Oh, uh, Natasha Henstridge? Yeah, Natasha Henstridge, she was, like, some human-alien hybrid or something like that. Oh, yeah. I remember a line from the movie where they're they're freaking out, they don't know what they're going to do, and, and one of the scientists says, uh, you know, she could have a thousand babies, she could lay a million eggs, and at the end of the movie, she gives birth to one thing as like that was kind of anticlimactic this is what, yes. this is what i'm thinking here ming thinks he's gonna have like a thousand babies with you and dale is like no just one yeah maybe his advisors have lied to him maybe there's like <laughs> ming you have super sperm you can make a thousand babies each time and like just telling him what he wants to hear you know he, he says to ming says to flash you know you really prefer death to a kingdom i don't know how ming comes to that conclusion flash actually hasn't given any indication of his answer yet uh but flash finally does give a, a slow head nod yes i, I do prefer <laughs> death to a kingdom now this to me this is huge this means he is saying no i will not join you and save the earth i will die and the earth will be destroyed dude <laughs> take the deal save the planet save humanity and just figure out something later about how you can revolt against him what what i, I this, this is a mind-boggling decision. I mean, this is not an impossible choice like Sophie's choice here. This is a no-brainer. Take the deal and figure it out. Yeah, I wonder if Flash is believing in his own luck, which uh, obviously he has a lot of, or <laughs> if it is just a matter of, you know, he's not he's not a bright, calculating hero. He's just this guy who's like, no, you're bad, so I won't do bad things with you, bad guy, and he's not really thinking through the big picture. This is another trope, the, the good guy of saying oh, of course not and you know and i do the same thing i often find myself yelling at the screen or the tv is like no no take the deal everyone on earth doesn't want to die <laughs> i remember one movie where they didn't do that and uh not one of his more well-known movies or uh more popular movies but tom hanks in uh turner and hooch who's seen turner and hooch uh, I have not seen it in years. I have never seen it. Perfectly fine movie, it, but the whole deal was, it, it was a comedy, but he was a police officer, and because of hijinks, he was taking care of a victim, a murder victim's dog. At the end, Craig, it turns out Craig T. Nelson, who was his commanding officer, was the bad guy, and he had a gun held to Tom Hanks' head, and he's like, well, you know, there's a lot of money here, so you know, are, are, are you with me? And Tom Hanks is like, yeah, sure, I'm with you. I was like, oh. That's actually pretty smart. Because in every other movie, the good guy's like, no, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. He's like, that's a good way to get shot in the head. How about not getting shot and then figuring it out later? <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, I feel like Ming is trying to make his point uh, pretty hard by the, you know, saying this scattered into atoms, which is a, a fun tough guy line. And then, uh, like you were mentioning uh, last episode, kicking that cup into the vortex as if to say, like, hey, Flash, this is you. You're the cup going into the vortex. And still Flash is like, oh, too bad about that cup. Like, I don't think he gets it as a metaphor. No, me- metaphors are not Flash's strength. <laughs> <laughs> and this actually is why I, I know, I don't remember which episode it was, Brad, but recently I talked about how I thought that that was some kind of vortex under the fighting disc, that it, that it wasn't just the sky. And I think that as a kid, I think this is the reason why I thought that, because I, as a kid, I took Ming literally that when he kicks the cup down... It was literally scattered into atoms, and I think just uh, I, I didn't catch that, you know, when I was younger, and so that made me think there was some kind of you know vortex that would literally just disintegrate you, as opposed to him metaphorically speaking. It's also all swirly, like a vortex, yes, like just visually. Yes, it does not look like normal clouds. I don't know no, what's going on. Absolutely not. The cup also seems to make a fluid noise when it falls, which is weird to me. Like, there was still fluid inside it. There's this, like, slight fluid noise, which is, again, one of those kind of details you only notice if you watch it a minute at a time. Oh, yeah, the world of Minute by Minute will, uh, in a case like this, it's fun. You you sort of notice something that you wouldn't have noticed before, and you get really invested in the Foley sounds and stuff. Uh, It can also just ruin the movie for you. (laughs) I've got a a pretty big tolerance uh, for for Minute by Minute minutia. So Flash turns down the deal. And uh, Ming leaves. We get a cool shot of Ming's shuttle going back up to his flagship. And we get Howard Blake, musical cue. I'm counting number 39 as the shuttle goes back to the ship. And they start blasting away at Hawkman City. Uh, we get some melancholy notes. And, and then we get a little slow riff on our uh, classic that we have heard throughout the movie. As uh, the laser blasts start to decimate the Hawkman City. I have a question about this minute uh, that I don't know if you've uh, discussed before. Why why do you think Flash makes no attempt to fight Ming at this time? Because he's boldly fought every other moment, not really caring about his safety. And yeah, Ming does have two red and yellow McDonald's guards there with him. But I was just amazed that, that Flash was just like, is he tired from his previous fights? Why do you think he doesn't try to kick Ming's... That's a great question. Uh, the flying death ball is not there. The guards, you know, uh, you know, Flash didn't see Dale take care of the guards with ease earlier in the movie, but eh, I, I bet he's hurt. It would have made sense if they would have had something where Flash, not, obviously he can't engage in a fight because th- that would sort of screw up the movie, but something where he makes a bit of an aggressive move and the guards point their guns at him giving him a better reason for backing down than just... Yeah. It looks like he doesn't even think of it. Yeah. It'd be awesome if, uh, you know, Ming got back on the, you know, went back to his own ship and flashed in. It's like, oh, that's right, I should have punched him. (laughs) Knew I was forgetting something. Yeah, because even that, uh, I think it was the last minute in last week, uh, when Ming first lands, he says something to Flash about, like, you know, you want to destroy me, and Flash says, I have to. And right. I, so, I mean, he he's he does know in his head, intellectually, you know, I've got to destroy Ming. And, you know, he faced worse odds in the football fight. You know, he was outnumbered, like, 15 to 1 there, and he was willing to fight. In the middle of a palace full of, yeah, people yeah. loyal to Ming. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's just tired. I think the poor guy, I don't think he's, <laughs> it's, uh, according to your math, it's been three days. He hasn't got a lot of sleep. He just had a really big fight, and then an emotional moment with Baron. He's exhausted. Uh, yeah, it was just... 
Uh, yeah. Again, Whoopi Jolson was like, oh, crap, I should have done something. <laughs> stupid, Flash, stupid. Pretty hilarious. Another fantastic minute. It, yeah, just some good stuff. And, oh, boy, tomorrow things start getting a little crazier. Some uh, deuces machina <laughs> that makes me crazy. Uh, so I'm going to have a chance to really, really... Um, grumble about some of the silliness of the next minute. Uh, it wouldn't be this, of course, this movie wouldn't be this movie without the silliness, but uh, but that's for tomorrow. Uh, Joseph, uh, where can people find out more about your uh, your comedy and your writing and your podcasting? You can uh, go to my website at josephsgrimshot.com that has all my comedy albums. If you like Star Wars chat, I got a uh, Star Wars comedy album that's on my website. And then you can uh, follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram in particular, at josephsgrimshot is my handle. I uh, I love Star Wars comedy. There is amazing. I want to say college humor did it. They put out a video of of different musicians uh, trying out for the for, for the bar. On, in the oh first yeah, movie. nice. And it had uh, two of my favorites, Ben Folds and Liz Fair, both did performances. I was like, ah, hey, Ben Folds and Liz Fair. I gotta look that one up. I haven't seen that one. I gotta look that up. Well, and there's those classic Saturday Night Live bits too. Uh, with the, uh, the the audition shapes of diff- different celebrities trying out for the movies. Well, I, I, yeah, especially um, Emma Stone was part of that and showing uh, a lot of awareness of her own uh, past mistakes because she talked about how she had just been in uh, Aloha. And she's like, by the way, I know you like to have some racial diversity. And uh, as according to my last movie, I can play Asian. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, uh, Eric, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Uh, on Facebook, we have a listeners group, the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. On Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod. And on email, flashgordonminute at gmail.com. Send us an email. Yeah, we'd love to hear from everybody. Uh, please join our Facebook group. And uh, we love your ratings reviews on iTunes. Uh, Eric, this has been another great minute. And uh, looking forward to finishing out strong with some crazy stuff next week. I mean, uh, some crazy stuff next minute. Um, but, uh... But I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm a little concerned, unfortunately. Yeah. We've uh, done a lot of talk about making fun of different football teams. Here's the thing: my wife, uh, she is from Baltimore. She is a Ravens fan, and uh, she has a friend who is a Steelers fan. When her friend always is around, she's, she's often wearing a Steelers shirt. My wife says, "Is like, why are you wearing this Steelers shirt? Why are you wearing this Steelers shirt?" Uh, big joke. Everybody gets a laugh out of it. So recently, I was picking up my oldest son from camp. And uh, Chase, my oldest son, who's eight years old, we're walking out, we're walking out, and he just stops what he's saying, and he points to this huge guy, this huge guy, wearing a Steelers shirt, yells at the top of his lungs, why are you wearing that Steelers shirt? (laughs) I gotta go back to this camp tomorrow. I'm pretty sure that guy's gonna shove my head in some other part of my body, because uh, he did not look amused at all. You know, if if you're concerned about running into a steel curtain, uh, you know, and Mean Joe Green, maybe maybe he called in Mean Joe Green and to to, to come, uh, you know, do a little tap dance on your head. Eh, don't, <laughs> don't don't worry about it. Even though he's a jet, Flash will save every one of us. Attention, listeners! You can follow us on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.
dutch that's them dancing when they do the double dutch that's them dancing when they do the double dutch that's them dancing when they do the double dutch that's them dancing when they do the double dutch that's them dancing when they do the double dutch that's them Double Dutch, that's them dancing. Sing, 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 sing.